So we started a, a series last week, um, really just on the book of Colossians. We're taking one chapter per week and going through and uh, just kind of giving you kind of a, a backstory again, filling it up. Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote this book in prison, his first imprisonment in Rome. Um, and he was sending this letter to the, the believers at Colossae. And uh, he never met them, as far as we know. Um, it's, it's, he had never been to that church. It was actually Epaphroditus, uh, who was one of the sons, spiritual sons of Paul, that uh, was sent after he got converted, you know, and believed in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He had a heart for this city because that's where he's from. He went back to share the gospel, and they believed that he started this church. And there were some things that were going on in this church because there were some heresies that were coming in that was saying that Jesus himself wasn't enough. Actually, it was a heresy so much it was actually diminishing the deity of Jesus. This is what we got to watch out for with any religion that's out there. It will always err when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ. Who is he? Was he just a man? No, he was more than a man. He was God. And man, it, it blows our minds. Our minds can't comprehend this. We have to receive it by faith. But I believe it. And I'll preach it. I believe that you'll believe in that you'll preach this, that he is not just a man. He was God in human flesh coming to die for our sins. But these other, other people began to come in. Some of them were Jews and just, you know, other teachers that were just wanting to hold on to the, to the law of Moses. And we know that Paul talks about the law of Moses. It's holy. The law is holy. But its purpose was to lead us to the point that we can never be made right on our own. It was to reveal to us that we needed so desperately a Savior. And it did. The requirement was so great, no one could fulfill this except for God himself. He made it so high and lofty that only he would be able to fulfill the requirements that he put out. So he came in flesh, God's seed in a virgin womb, Mary, and Jesus Christ was born, lived a perfect life because he didn't have the seed of man in him. Sin is passed on through the bloodline wasn't passed on through a man. It was passed on by God. Amen. Are you with me? So we begin to look at this and we're beginning to see, and we talked about, you know, there's uh, in, in this, in this book of uh, letter, really the, the letter of, to Colossians, you know, the Colossians there, um, you know, he's dealing with really bringing back these first two chapters, the, the importance and really the deity and the supremacy of who Jesus is. And he's got to be at the center. Then he begins to talk in the last two chapters. We'll get into that next week and the following week about how to live life. And really, Colossians, really, I believe, as I looked as you know, it's kind of, it shows us the hope of heaven revealed, the hope of heaven revealed through the face of Jesus Christ. So we're gonna kind of go line by line and just kind of go in here. So if you got your Bibles um, um, uh, going through uh, chapter two here, uh, it'll be on the screen as well, kind of going between the New Living Translation and the uh, New American Standard. But let's look at... Uh, Chapter 2, starting with verse 1, and I want to give you first point here first, I guess. You can keep that up there. Uh, the first point, I've got a couple points for you. The first one is this. True wisdom and knowledge are only found in Christ. True wisdom, true knowledge are only found in Christ. Let's look at verse 1. 
Paul speaking. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Christ himself is the mysterious plan that God has. Look at this. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him lie all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So there were these leaders that were coming in and proclaiming a wisdom and a knowledge that really was just human wisdom and human knowledge. And, you know, uh, you can write this down as, as a side note, but God talks about how powerful or how, you know, his, how powerful his wisdom and knowledge is compared to that of man. This is in, Col- in Corinthians 1, uh, verse 18 and 19. The message that points to Christ on the cross seems like sheer silliness to those hell-bent on destruction. But for those who are on the way of salvation, it makes perfect sense. This is the way God works, and most powerfully, as it turns out. It's written, I turn conventional wisdom on its head, and I expose so-called experts as shams. I expose them. We have to stay centered on Jesus. You know, the only place really the Bible talks about reasoning, we've got to stay out of the realm of reason and stay in the realm of faith. The realm of reason is up here. It's in our mind. There's so many things. The majority of things you cannot understand about the spiritual walk, about Jesus Christ with your mind. It's when you receive it by faith in your spirit, the the power of the Holy Spirit helps you to understand by the spirit in your mind is able to grab a hold of it. You can't grab a hold of it just by your own intellect, your own reasonings. The devil works in the realm of reason. We connect with heaven in the realm of faith. My righteous sons and daughters shall walk or live by faith, not by reasoning. The places where God tells us to reason, he's coming and giving us an opportunity to be able to see things the way that he says, and he sees it. He talked to uh, the prophet um, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he says, come and let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, though they're as red as scarlet, I can make them white as snow. It's like God saying, hey, look how, look how filthy this is. Don't you know that even how filthy it is, I can make red things white. 
I can change things. It's not by reasoning. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So all wisdom and knowledge are only found in Christ. Number two, your life has to stay centered in the realities of Christ. This is what Paul's talking about through this chapter. We have to stay centered in the realities of who Christ is. I love this as we go into this. Verse number eight, Colossians two. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than to Christ. So he, he begins to talk about philosophies. He talks about empty deception. He talks about traditions of men. He talks about the elementary principles of the world. These philosophies are really, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's a love for wisdom, you know, there's a place in Scripture that Paul talks about. He was talking to, to, to Timothy, and he was talking about these certain individuals. He's saying there's these certain people that they love knowledge. They continue to chase after just knowledge, not the knowledge of God, just knowledge, always learning but never coming to the truth. It's not enough just to gain the world's wisdom and the world's knowledge and not being able to come to the truth. We know that Jesus is the truth. He's the one that reveals this. Actually, you know, there's, there's a scripture, I think, it's, um, I think it's Proverbs 9, 10, where it says, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Knowing Him, you begin to see. It's fearing Him that you have wisdom. And we know that that fear is not, not just a dread of him. There's, that's, that's part of it. It's more of, I want to love the things that you love. I want to hate the things that you hate. I want to be close to you. I don't want to be far away from you. So I'm going to obey you because I trust you. I tremble at your word. Are you with me? It says philosophies. These are guys, that just human thinking. They, they loved wisdom. They loved sharing these things. But the problem was it was pulling people away from Jesus. It, Jesus wasn't in the center of these things. They were holding on to their own thinking and their own reasoning. He said empty deception. You know, you know don't let them. You, you, you're the one that has to see it. The beginning of that verse says, see to it that no one takes you captive. Whose responsibility is it then? It's our, it's our personal responsibility to make sure that we're not taken into captivity. This actually, this empty deception actually means literally, it means a catching or an ensnaring. The misleading of a person to believe what is false or not to believe what is true. All these things wants to take us away from the reality of who Jesus is. But I thank the Lord that he, in his wisdom, he gave us, you know, through, through godly men, you know, that he, he inspired by his, by his spirit to write down his words that we have them and we get to know who God is through his word. You can't add to it. You don't want to take away from it. It's perfect the way that it is. Can you say amen? You have to believe that. Empty deception. He talks about the traditions of men. Jesus dealt with this, with the traditions of men. He was dealing this when he was on the earth in his earthly ministry, telling people, you know, you, you, you violate God's, you know, God's command by doing what you want to do. You're doing your traditions over God's, over God's commandments. You, don't, you can't just say, this is what I consider holy. No, you don't get the right to choose what is holy. God tells us what is holy. I love the, the, um, 
definition, or if you want to say the phrase that, that was Andy Stanley had, had brought it out. He said, you know, as believers or as, as people, we get the choice to choose to serve Jesus or not. But once we choose him, we don't get the choice to say what serving him looks like. He chooses that. He's the chooser. It's his standards, right? So Paul says things in many of his letters. Again, we got to hold to the standard that was set before us in Christ. He's the one that puts it out. He says this is the way to walk, and we just walk in it, and not in our own strength. That's the thing. So many times we try to do things in our own strength, and we, never, we still fall short when we try to serve God in our own strength. He wants us to serve him in his strength out of the new man that just takes faith. It's just faith. Are you with me? And the, third, the fourth point in there, he talks about, you know, being held captive by the elementary principles of this world. Just, this, the easiest way to say this is by the evil ruling spirits. There's evil spirits that rule in the earth. Do you know that? Now, Christ has dethroned them, but the thing is that he has given the earth to the sons of men, sons and daughters, He's given the earth to us. What he's saying is, if you look, it's the whole way from Genesis to Revelations, God has given us the responsibility to govern the earth, not how we want, but according to his governance, as it is in heaven, so be it on earth. We enforce what Christ has done. If we don't enforce the authority that Christ has done, it's not our authority. I don't have any more power now uh, you know, in myself to defeat the devil than I did before I knew God. It's him in me, him in you that has the authority. If we think it's us and we're like, you know, bye, and we're just, it's our, you think it's just, it's just my faith, it's no, because God says so. You have no power or authority over us. Are you with me? But we're responsible so we have to agree with what God has said. We have to agree with his standards. We have to agree with his ways. We've got to be speaking it out of our mouth. We've got to be leaving it. We've got to be walking in it. And the best way you dethrone principalities and powers and evil spirits and wicked places and high places that are in the spiritual realm is by agreeing with God's word. We don't need to pick a fight. All we got to do is, I don't agree with you. I agree with God and God takes care of the rest. Are you with me? But we have to be aggressive against the enemy. Got to stay centered. So I'm going to read that verse again and we're going to go on. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than to Christ. Now, we're talking, in this point, we're talking about, you know, our lives have to stay centered on the realities of Christ. These next six verses or so, I love it. He just begins to talk about the reality of Jesus Christ. You, you go through your scriptures, especially the letters, you know, that Paul writes out. There's a lot of things that says, like, in him, through him, by him, you know, all, all these things. It, it, it really tells us who he is and who we are because of him. I love this. Let's read this. Verse number nine. For in him... All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. Did you hear that already? Yeah. This, is, this should get you stirred up. This could get you excited. It's in him that you are made complete. Actually, he actually gives it a past tense. In him, you have been made complete. 
I think that's our problem as Christians sometimes, and we're, we're still looking for something else to complete us. This is the air that was going on in this church that Paul was addressing. There is nothing else that will complete you. It is Jesus Christ himself. In him, you are complete. It's not going back and doing the laws again. It's not keeping these ceremonial rituals and all these things that are going on. We'll get to that in a minute. It's by being in him. In him, you have been made complete. He is the head over, over all the rule and authority. That's human and spiritual. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. This is a, a peeling away. I, I love the way this translation says it, but it's a circumcision of the heart. There's a peeling away. And, uh, it says here in, in, in the next verse, Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Man, there's so much meat right in there. I'd encourage you just through this week just to read in this chapter. Maybe just kind of catch up. You can read through the whole book of Colossians. It'll, you'll just get more out of it. If you spend some personal time as we're going over this, you're going to get a lot more out of it. In him is the fullness of deity in, in human form. In him you have been made complete. In him you've been circumcised, the cutting away of your old nature. You've been buried with him. You've been raised with him. Let's continue. Verse number 13. You were dead because of your sins, but because your sinful nature and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ. You don't make yourself alive with Christ. God made you alive with Christ. It all happened because you chose to believe. And if you're not a believer in here today, if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have an opportunity to take the responsibility to say yes to Jesus, denying your own sinful nature and allow him to come. The Bible says old things pass away, all things become new because you come alive in your spirit. He comes to live and dwell on the inside of you. God made you alive with Christ. Look at this. Don't get too excited. For he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Remember, he's, he's above all these things. But now there's certain things that these believers were submitting to. They were coming into, you know, being, you know, held captive by these spiritual forces that have already been dethroned, but they're still giving them authority in their lives by thinking something else is going to complete them. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly and his, by his victory over them on the cross. Now, you know, they say we have to, a lot of the things when we go into the Bible, we got to get to an Eastern mindset. You know, we can't just think of everything with a Western mindset when it comes to something that was written, you know, really in the Eastern concept, you know, or if you want to say the contextually what's going on. And, and uh, you know, the writers knew exactly what all this meant. When you're talking about the, the bill that was, you know, written against you, these, these rules and regulations, these things, this account that you had, this balance due that you were, it was impossible for you to pay, but it was, you had to pay it. I mean, you were going to be held responsible. 
They understood when he talked about, they, they took this and he, and he nailed it to the cross. You know, back in those days, the visual, they loved to give visuals. The visual would be, say, someone who was sold into slavery. And a lot of times, it, you know, even in Bible times, slavery wasn't like the way we think slavery today, where people are being really mistreated. It's really, some people, it was their debt cancellation, so to say, because they had so much debt, they had to sell themselves to service for so many years to get out of debt. You understand? And Jesus came along, you know, and he paid our penalty for us. But what they say is like when someone owed a debt and they couldn't pay it, when someone paid for them or it finally got paid in full, that they would take the notice, all the things, the decrees that were written against them, the things that were, you were responsible for that you had to do, they would take it and they would take a nail and they would pierce it to the door, pierce through that paper, that, that written, uh, written statement and saying that it's been paid in full. Jesus himself was nailed to a cross as the one who fulfilled the payment for our sins. I mean, it's so beautiful how God put us all together. It will be so wonderful once we finally get to heaven and have, we're understood the way that we, you know, the way we're, we'll begin able to understand the way we're understood and see just how many pieces we missed from beginning to end and just be like, God, you're awesome. You're so awesome. I didn't even see that. Oh, my goodness. But I love this, that the Bible says in verse 15, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly. He didn't do it in private. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. How would you like that? I mean, the devil was shamed. He was disarmed publicly. And the funny thing is, the devil thought that if he could just get him on the cross, he would get rid of him. And he didn't realize because, remember, he is a created being. Satan is a created being. He thought, if I can just get Jesus on the cross, he'll be done away with. He'll die. No one has ever risen from the dead, you know, and be able to make right, God right with man. You mean, he, if I just kill him, it's going to be done. He didn't realize by doing that, by being part of that, he was actually helping Jesus to get the victory. How much is that the shame of the enemy? Not only did you get whooped, you're the one that helped them do the winning move. Are you kidding me? He was put to shame. I'm sure in hell, in the corridors of hell on that day, people knocking, you know, little demon and imps, whatever, knocking on Satan's door, he's probably like, go away. I want to talk about it. He was defeated. Jesus has got to be the center. Number three. You are who God says you are, and you have what God says you have in Christ. We're not talking about blab it and grab it. We're not saying, you know, I'm just going to take this. I need finances, so I'm going to believe God for a million dollars. You're going to give me a million dollars, God? No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about according to his promises. He promises to meet our needs, right? And to those who fear him, those who are close to him, the Bible says so also because our, our motives and our heart get right, he'll fulfill some of the desires of our heart, some of the wants that we have. The want doesn't have us, he has us. And because he has us, he wants to do some things that maybe we're not even asking because it's just on our heart. He's like, you love me so much, I love you so much, I want to do this for you. I want to let you know how much I care. It's not favorites. It's our, it's our choice. We get to be as close to God as we want to be. 
It's not God loves me more than God loves you or God loves you more than he loves me. He loves us all, but I choose and I want to get close to him. I want you to want to get close to him. Amen? 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, By his doing, God the Father, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We don't boast in anything that we've done. We boast in what he has done. He is our wisdom. He's our righteousness. He's the only one that can make us right with God. He's our sanctification. He's the one that sets us apart as being God's alone. We have to choose out of him choosing us to be set apart as, as his own through faith in Jesus Christ. We have the responsibility then to begin to respond to him in the nature of how he has set us apart. Because you have done this for me, I want to live in this way. It's not drudgery. He's our redemption. There's a, there's a biblical word. It's kind of hard to say too. It's called propitiation. It means that Jesus, it says, Jesus was our propitiation for, to God. It was like he was the exact, there was no other. It's like this is, there was only one that could fulfill, and Jesus was the one that fulfilled the total requirements that God had put out. He did it perfectly. He's the only one that redeems us. Let's continue on, Colossians 2.16. So, it's kind of a, a takeoff of all the things that we saw in the realities of Christ. So because of what Christ has done, don't let anyone condemn you or act as your judge for what you eat or drink or, not, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For, all, for these rules are only shadows of the reality to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you. Act as a judge or an umpire by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that we have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nurtures it. So he begins to go into these things about, you know, pious self-denial. Let me go up to the first part because they kind of go hand in hand. You know, these, these uh, Jews that came in, there, there was some confusion. I'm sure it would be confusing. If we were back in that day, I'm sure we'd be a little bit confused too because for centuries, you know, the Jews were believing and, and holding to the law. It was what God had given them. And now Christ came, and it was like, it was like letting, letting that go. I mean, all, you know, every week, all the things they're doing, the feasts, everything that they're doing. And, and not, there's people that still hold the feasts. There's nothing wrong with you know, celebrating and, and doing the feasts. But that is not how we're made complete. We're made complete in Christ. I've been part of Shabbats and, and some, you know, Hanukkahs and different things of Jewish friends that I've had. And it's, there's, there's, there's some, some things, elements that are in there because it does point to Christ. It's beautiful how it brings it down. But we don't hold those things as a law to make us right. We've already been made right in Jesus Christ. 
And it's like they're saying, no, you can't just be Jesus. You have to do these two. You've got to do this and Jesus. And by doing so, they're really saying, maybe they didn't say it out of their own mouths, Jesus was not enough. You still got to do this. But God tells us in his word that Jesus is enough. He's the only way to be complete. So I'm going to choose to believe what the word of God says and not somebody else. Even our own traditions. Sometimes God will shake up our own traditions. Sometimes God wants to really uh, confront your religion so that you can have a better relationship. Come on now. So I, I, I got this out of a study Bible. I thought this was really good. It talks about, you know, the rules are only a shadow of the reality yet to come. It says this, the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament here refer to as shadows because they symbolically depicted the coming of Christ. So any insistence on observing of such ceremonies is failure to recognize that their fulfillment has already taken place. That's just like, we can't look somewhere else. I mean, when you, when you lack wisdom, there's no other wisdom out there. We need to go here. And I'm not saying we can't, you know, you go to godly leaders and so forth like that. They can, they can help out. But really, we're, everything's just pointing back to the wisdom that he gives. He is the wisdom. We can't look for something else. Remember, so it so impacted me when the Lord showed me that reading in the book of John and and uh, Jesus gave, you know, one of the, really, it was a, really kind of a church split, if you wanted to say. He's teaching um, uh, the disciples, not just his disciples, his 12, but all his people, the people that were following him. He's talking about how you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, or you can have no part in me. And they're like, eat your flesh? Cannibalism? You know, what is this? I got to drink your blood and eat your flesh? But they were trying to reason with their minds. This is where your mind, when you reason with your mind, it will take you to things that you can only understand. He's trying to get us to understand things we can't understand with our mind. The Bible says in Hebrews, by faith, we understand Amen. spiritual things. By faith, we understand. And, you know, in that moment, it said that a lot of people went away. They couldn't, they couldn't receive it. It's too hard, to, too hard to receive. They weren't looking for it by faith can't receive that. And they walked away. And Jesus looked at his 12 and he said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter, thank God for the times that he spoke up, right? He said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. I'm saying this to bring it back to the point that whatever you walk through in this everyday life that you are in, in the flesh that you are in as a believer, there's nothing else to look for outside of Jesus. Jesus will lead you to the Father. Jesus gives access to the Holy Spirit. We have all that we need. We can't go looking for something else that's going to make us complete when he is the only one. We have to be centered back on what he has done and who he says we are. We can, we can avoid it all of our life if we want to. And we can live captive by all these different things, and we can still go through the motions of all these things that mean nothing. All they do is wear us out. Or we can choose to believe and confront those lies and choose the truth of God. He goes on. 
Verse number 18, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious denial, self-denial of the worship of angels saying that they've seen these visions. They're going on, you know, we, uh, we've, we've had these things. It says in their, their sinful minds, they've been made pride. I mean, they've been made proud. This, you know, there is, there is such a, a self, or you want to say it's a, it's a false humility, and false humility is just pride in a subtle way. Saying, no, you know, you know whatever, you, you kind of you you make yourself look like you're really being humble when you just really want to do your own thing. You don't want to do it God's way. You want to do it your way. But we'll make it look like everybody else, oh, you know, oh, he looks so humble, you know. No, true humility is in obedience to God's word. I'm looking for someone who will tremble at my word. Amen? All right, let's finish up. Last point. Christ is your only hope for living free from your sinful nature. You know, I think that, you know, sometimes we, we would, we would want to think like, we know that God, you know, by faith, when Christ died on the cross, when we believe that Jesus died for our sins, the Bible tells us, not just in this section we're going to go over, but many places in the Bible, that by faith, God had already placed us, when we believe that Jesus was the one, he has placed us on the cross with him. That's our old nature, our sinful nature, that part of us that has kept us separated from God. And when Christ died on the cross, that sinful nature died. Paul says, so consider yourself dead. We still feel at times, and sometimes it can be feeling. I'm a feeler. Some people, you know, or some people, you know, more thinking, logical. They reason things out. We have to consider ourselves that it's already been done. Yes, we have habits that treat, try to come up. and They try to lure us away into obeying them. But before, we didn't have a choice. We just did whatever those feelings and dictates of our flesh said. We did it. Now we don't have to. And we have the power to say no by the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of us through faith in Jesus. But we have to exercise that right to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Are you with me? It's not easy. But you look at, you know, I don't think that we, you know, honor men and women who have done heroic things in the earth. We don't look at them as heroic because they did easy things. Oh, you folded a piece of paper. Way to go. Very impressive. Wouldn't be very heroic. Oh, you took a tree, broke it down, and brought a piece of paper? That's crazy, man. Now we got, I mean, we don't even think about it now. It's like paper's paper. But just the process of finding out how to make a tree into a sheet of paper that we could write on and have books and everything. Wow, that's pretty cool. That guy gets honored, whoever he is. I don't know who he is, but he was somebody at one time. <laughs> Jesus is the center. He's the only hope. Look what Paul says. You have died with Christ. It gets repeated over and over in Scripture. And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. We could just stop right there and just camp on that. You could take that and just chew that all week long and have a good time. You have died with Christ. And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? Such as don't handle this or don't taste that or don't touch that. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate or they just perish. 
as we use them. These rules may seem to be wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. It's not religion that sets us free. It's the blood of Jesus Christ seeing ourselves as dead and and considering ourselves because we died with him that we are alive with him. It's just that that choice that's in there. And I I can't say it's it's not easy, but it has to be in the moment. We've talked about this all year long. It's in the moment that it seems the hardest to do is when you get to act the most heroic if you choose to. And you actually make his power available to you by choosing him in that moment instead of your own desires. Right? Because the sinful nature has passed away in Christ. Now we have habits, but the more we make the habit of following him and looking to him, these other habits will be replaced with the habit of now walking in the newness of life that we have in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand this morning?